Hi, and welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. This is episode 10, and today we are going to be shaking things up a little bit. We're going to be talking about collagen supplementation, something I don't know a whole lot about. I work predominantly with vegan clients and in the vegan space, um, and collagen obviously isn't a vegan thing. Um, but my co-host Aiden, um, he's definitely gone down this rabbit hole quite deeply. Um, so we're going to get kicked off with kind of talking about how you ended up in this space. Like what got you interested in collagen? So obviously I've always been interested in athletic performance and injury prevention and stuff like that. But the real thing that kicked things off in terms of really generating that interest was Saturday Q&A, somebody asked me a question being like, what are your thoughts on collagen supplementation? And I had read every paper at that time already and jumped to my own conclusions. And my conclusion was that the research is pretty mixed. Like it doesn't look that promising is what I thought. And Tyler, who now works alongside us, but he wasn't working for me at the time, he um, sent me a DM of a podcast and he's like, hey, dude, I just think you should listen to this. And I listened to it and it was by a guy named Dr. Keith Barr, who basically made some very, very valid points being like, when you account for a few variables, every single study that's been done on collagen for injury recovery has been overwhelmingly positive. If you look at the research as a whole and you don't account for those variables, it doesn't look that promising. So like, that's one thing, like once I looked into those variables and everything like that, I was like, okay, this is actually interesting now. Um, and the second thing, like, as you know, as a lot of people who follow me know, obviously the knee injury, like that's been an yeah. ongoing thing. But even before that, like, even like I've had pretty much every tendinopathy like you can get pretty much. Um, even, uh, I just remember my last powerlifting prep, I had, um, like tendinopathy around my elbow, either golfer's elbow or tennis elbow. And like every prep I've ever done, I have had that come up as well. Even to the point that like I went to play golf and the first swing, it flared it up. And then I had to drive home like one-armed and <laughs> I couldn't work for the rest of the day as well because I was planning on writing a blog post and I was like, I just have to cut work loose. Like it literally was affecting my life. Um, so like there's obviously personal interest stemming from those kind of things and trying to be like, is there anything I can do to improve this stuff for myself basically? Yeah, so really kind of grasping at straws at like what else you could possibly yeah. do for your own injuries. In in terms of that, like what is like collagen supplementation, what injuries is it relevant to? Is it like tendinopathy? Is it more than that? So tendinopathy is easily the biggest one. It's really what you'd call like musculoskeletal injury. So that actually covers 70% of total injuries. So like if if we're onto something here, this should theoretically help with 70% of injuries. Like it's anything that's like tendons, ligaments, bones, and cartilage, like related to those things. I'm very much stronger in terms of thinking it's more beneficial for tendons and ligaments for a few reasons that like I'll talk through later. Um, but theoretically it can help with all of those things basically. But it wouldn't be helpful for stuff like muscle tears. Like if you get a muscle tear that has no tendon involvement, because sometimes muscle tears do have tendon involvement, but if there's no tendon involved in it, then it will have no benefit for that basically. Got you. Okay. And, and you use it personally for yourself in terms of your tendinopathy and ligament tendon Yeah, stuff. 100%. And pretty much any client who has any like tendinopathy or anything like that or ligament injuries, I, I try and encourage the use of it for sure. Okay. So even clients. So like in terms of like the, the, uh, the research looking so mixed, yeah. what pushed you to take it for yourself, but also start recommending it to clients? So the big reason it looked mixed, or I suppose I'll just go through the variables as to like what the research that's positive has in common. Yeah. So like starting there, 
the dosage has to be relatively high. Like we're talking 15 to 25 grams of collagen. It seems to be what it takes to maximize collagen synthesis in the body, which is what we obviously care about. And for context, if you just grab an average collagen supplement, you're looking at typically having anywhere between 2.5 to 10 grams of collagen. Most um, beauty collagens will have somewhere between 2.5 and 5. Like that's the most common dosage. So it's kind of like anytime you use that kind of dosage, in a study that's designed for joint health and stuff like that, it's probably not going to look that positive. So that's part of why it looks mixed. Another factor is that you need vitamin C for one of the enzymatic processes in collagen synthesis in the body, which therefore means any study that has been done in a fasted state, which is all of them when it comes to collagen because they try and standardize it that way, that doesn't use vitamin C is going to show a negative result. It's not going to have any difference because it's missing one of the processes. Like vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin. You need to have a relatively recent supply. If you're fasted, you don't really have enough vitamin C in your system to get that job done. And the final thing is the timing of it is important um, in terms of the research using or timing it like 40 to 60 minutes before the rehab session or whatever seems relatively important because we can't just target where collagen goes. Like a large percentage of our body is made up of collagen. I'll talk through the mechanism probably a little bit later in terms of why that timing matters, why that specific timing, stuff like that. But if you time it before you're providing a stimulus to that area, it makes sense that it's going to have more of an outcome. But that being said, I still question it a little bit in terms of like there's some studies on osteoarthritis where they've just randomly had collagen at random time points through the day and there has still been improvements in pain and stuff like that. So it's like even though timing is important, you might still get benefit even if you haven't timed it perfectly as well. But you'd say timing is would would increase the positive benefit from it. I think mixed? dramatically. I think it. Yeah. I think it's a it's a pretty key variable. I think it's possible to get improvements without timing, but I think timing is a pretty important factor. Logistically, how would you get the vitamin C in as part of that protocol? So all the resources use vitamin C uses supplementation. That's the way I do it to be most comfortable. But like. Like in terms of dosage, I'm, I'm looking at like 50, 50 milligrams or more of vitamin C. Um, there's no reason you couldn't do that through food. It just hasn't been studied with food. Like, sure. And like my thought process as well is if you're not training fasted, like if you're training in, at the end of the day or something like that, you probably have vitamin C in your system and this probably doesn't matter. It's more just looking at it from a research perspective, like they are all done in fasted states. So it's, it's relevant from there. I think for the average person, we don't even need to think about it. But when I do recommend a collagen supplement, I usually recommend the bulk nutrients one simply because it has that dosage and it has vitamin C already included in it. So it guarantees that that's covered without the client or whoever actually thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, I suppose let's kind of get into the mechanisms now, which is something I'm, I'm, I guess the least uh, experienced with, and I don't really know much about. So how does it all work? So this is an interesting one um, in terms of, I was just thinking about this the other day because I saw Dr. Carl pop up on like, TikTok. I love Dr. Carl. <laughs> yeah, and like so do I. But he said he said this one thing that like got a little bit under my skin because I'm like, oh, I, he's a really smart guy and he covers so many areas. And this yeah. is the one time he got things a little bit wrong from what I can tell. And I suppose I've got to preface this by also saying I should have said this at the start, but like this is a new space for research and it's not super strong. There's not heaps and heaps of research um, covering this. To be clear, that guy I mentioned, Dr. Keith Barr. You look at pretty much every collagen paper 
um, on, and athletic performance. And his name is on every paper pretty much. Like this is a relatively new space. Almost all of the research has come out since 2017. So I'm very open to changing my opinions on all these things. And a lot of this is mechanistic and stuff like that. But in terms of the mechanism and the Dr. Carl thing I was going to talk about, was like he pointed out some things. He got, got half of it right to a certain degree. He's like, we can't just consume a collagen supplement because that doesn't guarantee it's going to end up affecting the areas we want it to, like hair, skin, nails, et cetera, et cetera, is what he was mostly talking about, um, and also injuries as well. Because it breaks down into the amino acids and those just get digested and get used for whatever, that was his logic. But what I wanted to touch on, though, is that the amino acids in collagen are very different from the amino acids of other good protein sources. Collagen's very high in proline, glycine, lysine, and arginine. And to like make it clear how different it is, um, there's a thing called biological value for like figuring out what is a good protein source, so to speak, for muscle building. And stuff like, I think eggs have a 100 score, whey protein is around 100, and then like chicken, beef, etc. they're all in the high 90s. And then you're looking at other like sources, like for example, wheat protein is about 50. Collagen scores zero on that. <laughs> to be very clear, it is very different to other amino acids. Um, and even on that topic, 10% of the collagen remains intact as peptides as well. So it doesn't all get broken down. Like some of it still remains as collagen peptides. And in terms of mechanism, that's where the timing comes into play. So collagen, the, these amino acids peak in the blood about 40 to 60 minutes after you ingest them. So people have figured out the timing based on that. That's why they've chosen that timing. These amino acids are peaking in the blood and ideally you're doing the rehab session or training or whatever and getting a ton of blood flow through that area. And if you're thinking about it in terms of tendons, think of the tendon like a sponge soaking up these amino acids during that time. And because the blood's going through, the amino acids are traveling there. That's how we target it. And if that's not enough, because like I get it, that's very theoretical. We do have research measuring collagen synthesis increasing in these areas, um, which is the important part. That's part of where I'm going on with the mechanisms and stuff like that, being like it's all well and good to theoretically dismiss a mechanism, but when we have research showing that there's actual outcomes, we can't just dismiss it because of that, basically. Yeah, so I suppose your your interest is predominantly in collagen supplementation for injury. Um there's not a lot of evidence, I, I believe, around gut health and like all those other things. Um, so do you just want to talk about, I suppose, how you found it to be effective for your own injury and for your clients? Yeah. So this is where it gets interesting as well. So the first thing I'll start off with is in terms of the facts, in terms of research. So when I was talking about collagen synthesis, there's about a two or not 200, there's about two times increase in the collagen synthesis post rehab session if you're doing it. So it's like, it's dramatically speeding up the process. Um, theoretically, you could train multiple times per day as well. There are certain rehab protocols where people are rehabbing three times per day, shorter sessions, so they're not completely overloading themselves. Like they're doing the same total volume, but they're spreading the sessions out six hours apart across the entire day. And they're having collagen before every single session. Theoretically, collagen synthesis is therefore sped up by about two times for pretty much the entire day theoretically this is a leap of faith but like maybe that halves how long it takes to rehab an injury like that's probably a little bit too ambitious and that's not that's not something i'm actually saying but it's like it is going to speed things up if you have your training appropriate and that's the key thing like coming back to like this is why we can't study it in humans and stuff like that well like animal studies show as something from like a 20 to 100 percent increase in like 
healing rates basically when they use collagen supplementation and not only that but there's better like better physical properties of the tendons like the tendons actually heal better um what i find difficult when it comes to humans though and particularly tendinopathy because it is an overload injury is what if the collagen supplementation boosts recovery by 20 percent does that mean you recover 20 percent quicker like i'm going to use myself as an example but like every time i feel good my knee feels good I go out and play more basketball or I lift heavier weights or I'm like it, there's setbacks that occur due to the actual increase. Like there's only so much you can do from a nutrition perspective. If your rehab is on point and you're loading the appropriate amount, it's probably going to dramatically speed things up. The closest we have to that kind of stuff in the actual research yet, because as I said, it's early days and it's very hard to measure that in humans because most of this stuff will be done on professional athletes who they have competition to compete in and stuff like that. They might get back too early and stuff like that. But the closest we've got is certain case studies. Like there's one, once again, by Keith Barr, or there's two I'm actually going to mention. One of them um, is on an NBA player, and he had patellar tendinopathy, so that's the same injury that I've got. So I understand that relatively well. And a lot of experts in that space often talk about the concept of treating the donut, not the hole. As in the hole is the injured area, and there's some healthy tendon around that area. And the concept that most people say is, we're probably not ever going to heal the injured area, Let's just try and get the healthy area around that to handle load well enough that you don't feel pain. In this case study, this NBA player actually healed the injured area, which is incredibly rare. Like they just had collagen before their rehab sessions, which were actually just isometrics. They did a strength training protocol as well, just through their strength and conditioning coach. And the collagen addition seemed to make a difference. There's MRI evidence of that. And another example, once again, Dr. Keith Barr has is of a discus thrower who had patellar tendinopathy as well in both of his knees. And he did isometrics five times per week for seven weeks, no other training because he was in so much pain to start off with that he couldn't do other training. And once again, got an MRI at the end of it and there was no, um, no like if a doctor saw it fresh, they couldn't see any form of patellar tendinopathy, which is incredibly rare. Usually two years later, the, the injured area is still there. So it's like there seems to be very tangible outcomes here but it's also very hard to study in humans because we change our behaviours, basically. Yeah, well, what about in the area, I suppose, of prevention or if someone's you know more to uh, prone to something like tendinopathy, yeah. is it useful there? I think so. So we, we don't have evidence like backing that up. There's no studies on that. But like if I've got a powerlifter who's going through a competition prep and they get that elbow pain every single time, of course I'm going to have them have collagen. <laughs> like even from my, in my experience, like I'm just thinking about it in terms of being like, what if they get through two more weeks of good training before their elbow flares up? They get two more good bench sessions, two more good squat sessions, all of those kind of things. Well, technically four more given how most powerlifters are training, like two times per week benching. Um, that's worthwhile. And what if, they, what if it's so good that like they don't actually end up with any issues? And like even jumping onto another topic with that, theoretically – it can build stronger tendons to start off with. I Maybe that translates to better powerlifting performance as well. Even in sports, like some, there's some people theorizing that this might help with vertical jumps and sprint times and stuff like that, like stronger Achilles tendons could help. Um, that's the leap of faith, of faith and like the research hasn't been done yet, but it is an interesting area as well to look at. Yeah, I suppose it would like looking into enhanced athletes as well mm -hmm. in terms of their the issue with their ligaments and tendons don't keep up with the muscle growth. Do yeah. you think it would it would particularly be useful there or I think so for sure. Like I am a very strong believer in that, like and that honestly is part of why I use it with a lot of athletes as well. 
Something that I have been thinking about a lot more recently, though, is like there is this concept that muscles can grow quicker than tendons, and that is the issue that we're talking about here. What about that discus thrower, though? The one who had very injured patella tendons and then only seven weeks later were completely healthy. There, There is a bit of evidence that when a tendon is injured, tendon turnover rate is actually a lot quicker than when you have healthy tendons. So it's like, who's to say that like, yeah, I don't know. So like, I, I yeah. do think it makes sense for enhanced athletes to be to be using it, but like maybe tendons can grow quicker, grow quicker under certain circumstances than we normally give them credit for as well. Swinging back around to the, the biological value of, of collagen protein, when logistically, I guess when you're, you're planning for an athlete and you're looking at their total daily protein intake, do you tend to count that, I guess, 20 or 30 grams of protein as part of that? Or because it's so low biological value, do you give them a little bit more? Yeah, it's a hard one to answer. So like, it's a yes and no answer. Like, it depends on how much total they're having. For example, if you were having somebody doing that three times per day protocol and every single time was 20 grams, we're talking like 60 grams. Of That's coffee. a lot. That's a lot. So it's like, you'd be very silly in my, if, if we're using, say, a range of like 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight protein and we're at the low end of that range and then 60 grams was made up of that, then yes, I would 100% look at giving more. Me personally, with, with my athletes, I, I do tend to just go on the higher end of the protein range to start off with. So it's like, say that 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight protein is going to cover it for almost everybody as an example. And I'm giving them two to 2.2 or whatever to start off with. The, the question no longer matters because it's all right. Like they're high enough anyway, that it doesn't really matter basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, the question I, I suppose I get all the time when I do briefly talk about collagen supplementation, is it, is can we get it through food? Like things like bone broth and all these things that, mm-hmm. you know, people talk about that do contain some collagen. Can you utilize that or is the amount too high in, in what you need? Yeah. So back in 2017, when I did my sports dietitians course at the AIS, they, they were using bone broth with athletes back then for that exact same reason. They're like, mm-hmm. people, people do like a food first approach. If we have access to this, we might as well use it. Um, but not long after that, there was a study that came out from the AIS. They were studying it there. Um, Rebecca Alcock did a study measuring the collagen content of um, of bone broth. And it was just so inconsistent in terms of like a lot of the time the collagen content is too low. It's nowhere near that 15 plus gram amount. Sometimes it is, but you don't know what you're getting. Like you don't know what you're getting and oftentimes it is too low. Um, there are certain athletes I've like um, – Kobe Bryant comes to mind and a few others who like you look at their diets like back in the day and stuff like that and they were having bone broth like three times a day. It's like, well, if you're having bone broth three times a day, you're probably actually reaching this collagen amount. Like they're not nailing the timing or anything like that, but like a lot of athletes are having a ton of bone broth when they're talking about it. Um, I suppose that's the one thing. The other thing to consider is the concept of eating the entire animal. Like if you do eat the tendons and ligaments, etc., of an animal, you are getting collagen through there. That's incredibly rare. It's often unappealing for most people as well, um, but it is an option. And it is like, there's a guy named Ben Greenfield. He has a podcast as well. And like, he talks about like, you look at his diet and he's got like bone broth multiple times per day and he eats like tendons and ligaments and stuff like that. Like he's having so much. It's like, well, there's no need for collagen supplementation when you're doing that. But when we look at those options, it's like most people aren't going to really do either of those things in terms of having a ton of bone broth and having a ton of like that kind of animal content. So it's not really practical for most people to try and get through food. 
What about like being completely, I guess, animal sourced f- supplement? Are there any options for people that are plant based or vegan to get the same thing or the same outcome? Yeah. So I originally, when I learned about this, I didn't really think there was any option, and that was really disappointing to me because, as we've spoken about, I was I've always considered um, it possible to get the exact same results on a vegan diet as you can on an omnivorous diet if you set it up well. Like I've always been a massive believer in that, and I've always wanted to believe that too, to be honest. And then I learned about collagen. I was like, oh no, there's the one difference here. Like if this collagen thing, but like after thinking about that a lot, I was like, my logic with why collagen supplement works, supplementation works is because of the amino acids being elevated in the blood at that time that you're doing the rehab session and everything like that. It's not the collagen supplementation itself that's magical. It's the amino acids. Um, Because of that, you could theoretically purchase all of those amino acids in the same ratio as collagen supplementation and have that before a workout. There's no reason you couldn't do that. Although it could be impractical, you'd have to find a way to make it taste all right as well. And like there's, there's a lot of logistics, but theoretically you can do that. Yeah, what I'm surprised about is like obviously there are vegan collagen supplements on the market, or they at least call themselves. But none vegan of them collagen. do that. None of them. But they do don't that. take that approach. No, no, nah, none of them do. Yeah, and like I honestly have never heard of anybody taking that approach as well. It's like an idea I've thought about, and I am pretty confident would work, but I've never seen anybody try it. Yeah, what well, what are typically like the vegan collagen supplements? I I mean I've seen like agar agar ones. Are they yeah. they're predominantly just not even related to collagen whatsoever. They're more just the consistency of what a collagen supplement yeah. would be, right? Often they're like that. Sometimes they use gelatin, which fun fact is pretty much the same. Like they they, they try to mimic what gelatin, like the texture of that is and stuff like that, um, which is nutritionally the same as collagen for reference. Um, but yeah, it is agar agar. And sometimes they use other random ingredients for joint health and stuff like that, like that could be linked with that. So sometimes there is some form of attempt, but usually they're very low in the amino acids or they're just low in protein in general. Yeah, well, being the amino acids that I suppose have the value in in injury, um, is there any way you can get that from increasing your total daily protein intake or is taking a collagen supplement you know, easier. Yeah, 100%. So that's that's another big point that a lot of people have made. They've just been like, why don't you just get high enough total protein? And the big unfortunate answer is as i said it's a very different amino acid profile in that like as in they are amino acids that you will get through other protein sources it's just the amounts like in collagen they have incredibly high amounts of those four amino acids whereas in other protein sources they don't like for example like whey protein will be really high in leucine and stuff like that um there's just not much overlap between those so that's really the logic and then the other piece of logic which i've heard people say and i don't really have an opinion on it but it is worth having the discussion about it is that maybe there's a ratio of amino acids for example we, we didn't really talk about it, but like i am also of the opinion that collagen doesn't really do anything for gut health at all but a lot of the people in the gut health like in that kind of field who think it does matter for gut health talk about ratios and they're like if you do not get a good ratio having high total protein intake is making this worse because you need this ratio to offset that. So I don't really believe that, but it is worth like considering that that could be a possibility. Not Maybe not for gut health, but maybe just for everything else collagen is useful for. Yeah, totally. Is there anything else you think we've missed from this discussion, I suppose, in terms of like the research mechanisms or anything else that you feel is important in collagen supplementation for injury? I suppose to a certain degree, yeah, um, collagen and muscle growth. So like when we're talking about like injury rehab and stuff like that, 
often muscle growth is a priority. Like there's either people haven't been able to train that area for a long period of time or they might have inhibition around the area because of pain and stuff like that, so they can't train it effectively. And one thing I really want to touch on, and this is relevant for people who aren't even using it. Like I see a ton of people who just use collagen as their main protein source and or protein powder. Collagen is really bad for muscle protein synthesis. Like when you look at protein powders, whey protein is the gold standard. But you compare whey protein to like soy protein, and would you agree that there's not that much difference between whey and soy protein? Yeah, they're pretty similar. Yeah, and like other, there's other vegan protein powders, particularly when you combine them and stuff like that. The, the outcomes for muscle protein synthesis are very similar. And then you try collagen, and it's like 50% of the muscle protein synthesis of all those other ones. It's a massive outlier. So it does help with a bit of muscle protein synthesis, but it's really terrible in comparison to the other ones. Um, one interesting discussion... I heard on ATP Science podcast. I do not recommend listening to them, but they talked about um, they talked about how that could be a bit of a red herring when it comes to muscle growth. Where like we always think of muscle growth and muscle protein synthesis as being very aligned, as in the the real formula is like muscle protein synthesis minus muscle protein breakdown. But they talked about how um, the muscle is surrounded by fascia, which is connective tissue. Theoretically, collagen could help with the growth of muscle fascia allowing for more muscle protein synthesis to occur down the line and more muscle growth to occur. I have not seen anything to back up that claim, but like I also think it's worth mentioning because it's like, well, maybe they're right. Like maybe there's a chance that they are right. So I always chuck that out there. But at this stage, I'd consider it relatively poor for muscle growth and I would look at other amino acids and other protein and stuff like that for that purpose. So if someone's using collagen supplementation, I suppose as their main um, source of protein around training, you'd obviously, you know, say maybe you should go for something of a more higher biological value as well. For sure. If the goal is muscle growth, I would definitely say that. Awesome. So that about wraps things up for today. Uh, I definitely feel like we've learned a fair bit about collagen supplementation more than I than more than I knew before for sure. Um, so I hope you all enjoyed that as well. We'll be back next week, and in the meantime, we would love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast if you can. Uh-huh.